Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. All righty, Madigan. It is the third week of Pride. Yes, it is. And we wanted to talk about something that I feel like has been a very hot topic lately. It's definitely been something that people have been talking about more and more for the last couple of years. Uh But lately, I feel like a lot of people have been in a huff about pronouns. And I think a big part of that is because Instagram has now made it something that you can add to your bio. So you always had the option to add your pronouns to your bio if you just wanted to put it in the body. But now there is actually a section on Instagram where you can add your pronouns. And I feel like this has set uh, people on the right alight. They are not happy about this. And we wanted to kind of like talk about it because the truth is that gender neutral pronouns are not new. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And kind of more about them too and why it's important to respect somebody's pronouns. You know, why it's, to me, it's as simple as like a name change would be if somebody changes their pronouns. Like you wouldn't still insist on calling someone by their old name if they've changed their name. You know what I mean? And I feel like there is just this idea because of, the transphobia that we have in this country, that it is a bigger deal to the right than it needs to be is really kind of my perception of it. Um, So we are going to just kind of have a conversation today about different gender pronouns and um, particularly, you know, how how they've changed through history and kind of where we're at right now. And I want to start with a quote that I got from mypronouns.org where it says, using someone's correct personal pronouns is a way to respect them and create an inclusive environment, just as using a person's name can be a way to respect them. Yeah, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head in terms of we have this idea that switching somebody's pronouns is so difficult. And I will be honest, like there have been instances in my life where I've known someone for a really long time and they have shared their pronouns with me. And I have slipped up from time to time because making that transition can sometimes be a difficult thing. It's just kind of like a mental blocker that you might have. And that's the thing. It's difficult because of memory. It's difficult to get used to it. It's difficult for that to roll off the tongue sometimes right away when you've known somebody a certain way for your whole life. The same way when someone changes their last name, right? When they get married, they change their last name. You might refer to them by their maiden name because you grew up with this person, but you do make the effort consistently to change that name, right? Like, yeah, it be, of course you do. And it goes without saying, I feel like that is just something that we as a society have come to expect. And pronouns are no different. Like they're really yeah. no different. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about why it's important to be open about what your pronouns are. So it's important to never assume someone's pronouns. It's possible to send unintended messages that people should look a certain way to be able to use certain pronouns. And I think this is a big thing that makes the right uncomfortable or older people or, you know, things like that, where 
people want to be able to look at you and make assumptions about who you are because it makes them feel more comfortable. So I think the idea that we aren't able to immediately identify someone's gender identity based on whether they're masculine or feminine is a frightening thing for people in a lot of ways because they we want to have I shouldn't say we, some people want to have it fit perfectly. Like you look feminine, you're a woman. But just because you look feminine or masculine doesn't mean that you would use she or he pronouns. So assuming just because of what someone looks like, what their pronouns would be is actually very, could be damaging. Well, because gender is a social construct to denote the social and cultural role of sex within any given community. So it shouldn't be used interchangeably with sex, which I feel like happens a lot, you know, yep. more and more as my friends are starting to have children. I am seeing that happen, right, where I have conversations with them and I I don't correct them because, you know, they're talking about their children or their pregnancies and they're talking about gender and sex as though they are interchangeable and they're not interchangeable because gender is a social construct, right? We Uh want to be able, we, meaning society, as as you were saying, we want to be able to look at somebody and say within the confines of our society and our assigned gender roles, you know, yeah. societal gender roles, you fall here, you know, and yeah. people get very uncomfortable when when you can't do that. But the truth is, with gender being a social construct, right. people develop their gender identity and gender expression in response to their environment, which means uh-huh. that it could really be anything. It's not going to necessarily fall along the lines of this binary of man or woman. Now your sex and your gender identity may align quote unquote with what we believe to be, you know, the social construct, you know? Right. So Um, for example, you and I, you know, we both are, what's the word I'm looking for? Our gender identity reflects what our sexual anatomy is for the two of us. Oh, that's so perfectly put. Yes, yes. (laughs) Thank you. You know, we are two, and that should be said right off the bat for this episode as well, we are two cisgendered women. You know, we both identify as she, hers, and that aligns, I think, you know, not only with our biology, but with the way that we express ourselves in the world, you know. Yeah, we can... If somebody is going to refer to me, they will default to using she, her pronouns based on my appearance, you know. But that could be damaging. But it could be damaging, absolutely. Because we don't know. And I think that, you know, in every article that I read, one of the first things that you read is the best way to make people comfortable with sharing their own pronouns is to share mm-hmm. your pronouns. And I think, and you know, oh, I know that's why Instagram did that as well, because it's normalizing sharing your own pronouns so that other people don't have to feel uncomfortable coming forward and saying, you know, maybe I might look a certain way, but this is how I identify you know? Right. And there were a lot of articles that really spoke not only about sharing your pronouns in your Instagram bio, which I know you and I have both done, but also doing it in your email signature, which I, I do kind of want to update my email signature with that as well. But also yeah. having the conversation in person, normalizing, exactly. introducing yeah. yourself and also saying your pronouns, because I feel like people get uncomfortable by the idea that they could say, hi, I'm Keegan. My pronouns are she, hers. Right. But the more that people do that, the less, you know, strange it will seem to other people. Again, you're doing something that is opening that's that's going to make another person feel more comfortable to be true within themselves as well. So even if, you know, us as cisgendered women coming forward and claiming our pronouns as being she hers, it's still allowing other people to come forward and be open about their gender identity and pronouns as well. And I do think, you know, it it is something that I think is going to take time to get used to, to be saying in person, because it does seem weird for me Mm -hmm. to say I'm mad again. And I, you know what I mean? But I think that the, like you said, the more we do it and the more we normalize that, the easier it's going to be. And I've noticed, you know, I talk a little bit later in my notes and I mean, we could talk about it whenever, but uh, about different laws and legislations that are trying to be passed. And a lot of, you know, schools, businesses now have the options for more pronouns other than just 
you know, he and she. And that's opening up, you know, the doors for younger kids and students to be able to get used to that as well, which I think is really amazing. Right. It's going to become less and less unusual as we Uh move forward. And I also want to say that there's nothing wrong with simply asking what someone's pronouns are or saying something like, because I think that I would feel uncomfortable just because of my own social anxiety outwardly, like straight up asking that question because I wouldn't want anyone to ever feel like I'm signaling them out in any way. I've done it and it, it make, I'm like sweating before I ask, but I've met some people where I just don't, I don't want to assume and I want to make sure I'm being respectful. So I understand that like, Right. So if you feel uncomfortable with with that, which I know you and I both maybe won't feel as comfortable with that, you can also do a couple of things. You can either say, how may I address you? Which I think is more up my alley. Like that is something that feels a little bit more comfortable. You know, how may I address you? Because I think there's something like very like intellectual sounding about being like, what pronouns can I refer to you by? You know what I mean? Like, I think there's something too formal. That's the word I'm looking for. There's something very formal about that. When, and that's the thing is, it's like, I'm sure, you know, we we get uncomfortable when we ask these things, not because we feel uncomfortable with the situation, but more so that we don't want to make the other person feel like they're being put on the spot or yes, exactly. make it a bigger deal than it is. Because it's like, whatever the response is, we're going to be fine with. It's just, it's that, anticipation I I think that both of us feel this way too but it's the fear of getting it wrong or the fear of offending somebody especially when both of us want to always be the best allies that we can be and we want to show our support and our love so when we do something wrong it's easy for us to get really or or think that we're going to do or say something wrong it's easy for us to get very anxious about that right right and I think that that whenever it comes to that it's one of those things where we kind of have to check ourselves in not centering ourselves in this situation, right? Because it's actually not about us at all. And I think that's kind of like a big part of it. But the LGBTQIA Resource Center suggests using they when one doesn't know a person's gender because they is a completely gender neutral pronoun. And I understand that there are because I feel like they, them has been politicized so much, yeah. especially by the right, that people might have hesitancy doing that either, you know, you know, saying, you they, know, to but, me, I think that it makes so much sense because it's not like we don't use the word they or them already exactly. in our grammar. And there is this thing about like, oh, in certain ways, it's not grammatically correct, but that's incorrect. It is. It is yes. grammatically correct when you're using it within that way. And that's why, you know, Keegan and I do our best to say, hey, everybody, or, you know, say they, if we don't know, I've gotten into pra- into the practice of doing that, even with dogs that I meet. Like, I'm not going right. to assume. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things to get into practice of referring to an unknown, you know, person's identity as they until you're confirmed one way or the other, which I think is probably a great way of going about things. Yeah. I mean, and I do want to say, because you and I are both millennials first Uh of all you and I are both millennials who spent a lot of our time in the midwest and a lot of our time on the west coast and for us I feel like we have been rightly criticized in the past um, and through to the present because it is a difficult thing to break I grew up with guys yeah being being a gender neutral term and Same. and also dude like dude to me is a gender neutral term Homie, but i work dude bro yes. all, i mean i used to say i use them you know or i have used them all I, yeah i think i went through a bro phase where i feel like there was a phase where i called people bro when i was probably like 19 <laughs> right i mean and, you know <laughs> and the thing is even though when you and I are speaking to each other, we have an understanding that those are gender neutral terms, right? To us, right. To yeah. us. We don't want to use those broadly. And we do our best. You and I both do our best and we fall short and we fail on occasion. Oh, and we have been called out. We've gotten very good at 
correcting ourselves. Yeah, we've been recording for those of you, you know, because obviously you don't hear our unedited episodes. You know, there are times that we will say, hey, guys, or say something like that, where we immediately now are able to check it and fix it and then move on and cut that out later. You know what I mean? Like we've gotten so much better. But that's the thing is that practicing they and everybody. And I love saying folks, y'all. I do y'all. Y'all is mine now. Like that's that's usually what I will do. I'll say, hey, y'all, as like a gender inclusive kind of thing. Everybody, you know, all of those kinds of terms, folks, like all of those kinds of terms. Yeah. um, Because they, they do feel more inclusive because the thing is, even though you and I can have a conversation with that understanding, if it alienates even one person or if it makes one person feel not included or not seen, I don't, I don't intentionally want to do that no. <laughs> to someone. You know, it's, if you can try and check that language because that's the only way that society will ever change. Well, you and I are also two people that live our lives trying their best not to offend or hurt anybody's feelings because we're sensitive people. (laughs) So I think us us especially, you know, when we think about what we say on the show, you know, we want to make sure that everybody who is listening feels included. And that's why I am so appreciative of the people through the years who have, you know, called us in on that and educated us and made us a better show because of it. Yeah, totally. So I wanted to go back a little bit to when you were talking about the singular use of they, because I feel like when people are talking about gender neutral pronouns, oftentimes, you know, there's a whole, there's a a lot of gender neutral uh, pronouns, which we will kind of discuss more of those. Right. Neo pronouns, things like that. Yeah. But I feel like they, them has been specifically under attack. And a lot of times people will point to the fact that they believe that it is grammatically incorrect. And last month, Demi Lovato came out as non-binary and a conservative commentator called they, them pronouns, quote, poor grammar and an example of, quote, low academic achievement. And according to Dennis Barron, who's a professor of English and linguistics at University of Illinois, Urbana, he said, quote, they is a natural way to use a pronoun to refer to someone whose gender is unknown or irrelevant. Yeah. In some cases, it was used to conceal the identity of the person they were talking about because they were gossiping or because revealing the person's identity could put them in danger. Charles Dickens used they to anonymize gender in the Pickwick Papers, for example. The singular they has been used by English speakers and writers since the 14th century. Yeah. It's appeared in Shakespeare's Hamlet and even in Canterbury Tales by Chaucer. So this is something that has occurred uh, for a very long time. Forever. In the 1600s, medical texts even referred to individuals who did not accord with binary gender standards as they, them. So this is not a new, even, even the concept of referring to somebody who is not within a gender binary as they or them isn't new. Right. I mean, and even beyond that, we use they and them in a singular way all the time. Like, yeah, I saw today, Keegan the other day. Unusual. They said that they just went to the mall. Right. Or if you don't know, right. I mean, that's the whole point is like if you are gender nonconforming or gender non-binary, you don't adhere to one gender or the other. So it wouldn't make sense for you to refer to she or he. So saying is, for instance, if you found a purse, right, you're at you're at a friend's house and you find a purse and you say, oh, my gosh, someone left their purse here. Yeah. Right. Like if you found something, you would say like, oh, I wonder if I can get it to them. Yeah. You wouldn't say he or she. And you're not referring to multiple people. You are referring to To one one person. person. It's just a person whose gender you do not know. Right. (laughs) So you wouldn't put, you know, a label on that language. Exactly. And that makes sense. We do that even to this day. So to say that it's not grammatically correct is... um, Stupid. Not right. (laughs) Yeah. So in 2020, a Trevor Project survey found that one in four LGBTQ youth use pronouns other than he, him, and she, her. One in four. And the American Dialect Society named the singular they as the word of the decade. Mm -hmm. But as we said earlier, the use of gender neutral pronouns 
is not news. So I wanted to kind of give a brief rundown on the use of gender neutral pronouns throughout history. Let's go for it. According to them.us, quote, the singular they was common until the Victorian era when gender neutral pronouns defaulted to he as encompassing both masculine and feminine. Mm -hmm. People recognized the limits of he and argued that it was insufficient. Anyone who read he would immediately think of men and not women. So they tried to change. They tried to change the language at that point. Right. They said, you know, this is going to represent everybody. He is going to represent all genders, which but is it still, didn't work. I mean, but it, that's still what happens. I feel like in a lot of instances, like I feel like in a lot of our documents, he is still used very broadly. I mean, you think of like firemen, policemen, all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Like we do use he or male pronouns for a lot of things still. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's changing now, but growing up, there was still a lot of like male gendered things like jobs and items and stuff right. like that. Right, it's why we've know? changed steward and stewardess to flight attendant, mm-hmm. right? Because it's a gender all-encompassing phrase. Exactly. But I think that part of why this failed was because you chose a pronoun that already existed that was already well identified as masculine. So, of course, what were people going to do after that to try and come up with a solution to finding a gender neutral pronoun? They were going to create other words. So Z which is Z-E. Mm-hmm. It's often assumed to be a more recently coined term, but it was actually created by a writer who was identified only as J-W-L in 1864. And then in 1858, there was an American composer named Charles Crozat Converse who invented the pronoun thon, which was short for that one, which Mm. even made its way into well-regarded dictionaries, including the Webster's Second International Dictionary, uh, but never caught on in popular usage. And then I read an article from The Atlantic where a Chicago public school system superintendent named Ella Flagg Young announced to a room of school principals that she had solved a need that had long been impending. That's in quotes. That's what she (laughs) said to them. And she said, quote, the English language is in need of a personal pronoun of the third person, singular number that will indicate both sexes and will thus eliminate our present awkwardness of speech. So instead of he or she or his or her, she proposed that schools adopt a version that blended the two called her or hiser and himmer. And her proposal, which was actually taken from a man who was named Fred S. Pond, became nationwide news. And while predictably some people lost their shit. Well, yeah. (laughs) It's same. I mean, it's the same thing as now when people talk about they, them. But some actually went so far as to say that, quote, language as we know it is dead. Yeah. There were others who actually embraced this like gender neutral option. And that's kind of been a consistent theme Throughout and it and you know in doing my prep for this episode, that's kind of what what really spoke to me was basically since forever, yeah, people have been coming up with gender neutral terms, way to describe ways to describe themselves in gender neutral ways. And in 1920, there was a newspaper in California, the Sacramento Bee, which used the pronoun here, H I R. And that was used on and off from the 1920s to the 1940s. So it's just this thing that is constantly evolving yeah. and changing. There's actually just in 19- a new iteration. Yeah. In 1970, there was a feminist named Mary Oravin in New York that came up with the new pronoun co. And the word co roughly translates to together. So that was her thinking on why that would make a good third pronoun and Mary I actually made, love that <laughs> I really like co as well Mary made a case for co and its other variations like co sing co self in a pamphlet she published titled humanizing English which was passed around in feminist circles and the pamphlet made its way to a cooperative community in Virginia called Twin Oaks community Twin Oaks 
Sounds like a cult to me. Um, it's part of something it's called... It's a co-op, Madigan. It's a co-op. It's part of something called the Federation of Egalitarian Communities, which has okay. base values such as cooperation, egalitarianism, nonviolence, sustainability, and income sharing. And it I sounds was, like the kind of cult that I would find myself in. I'd that's like, what I said. delightful. As nice as it sounds, I think it's a cult. I put in my <laughs> notes. Um, but this Twin Oaks community added co to its official documents to be used to refer to all of their members in their community in 1972 and really latched onto that. So yeah, there have been, you know, these teachers, linguists, you know, bright thinkers who have seen this as being an issue because the thing is, is that the reason that we've kept trying to find the right word to make fit is because there have been transgender, non-binary, non-gender conforming people Forever. forever. And I think that yeah. there's this also this belief on the other side that this is like a new thing. Yeah. Because we're it's talking not. about it. It's not. That's the thing. It's like these these identities, these people have been around as long as the earth has been spinning. We just haven't been able to find a way to adequately represent them in our culture, especially because people have such, they hold on so tightly to these ideas of gender norms, which makes it so hard for there to be any sort of release. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's one of those things where you feel, you fear what you don't understand, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like a lot of people don't they're not comfortable with it it's not the way that they were raised and they don't want to take the time to figure it out because it's foreign to them yeah it doesn't have to make sense to you I feel like that's kind of the thing you don't know everybody else's experience you will never understand everybody else's experience just don't be still like be respectful yeah, you can still be respectful and you can still believe that their experience is their experience because guess what? They know themselves better than you know them. Yeah, exactly. I actually saw a really great medical article that was talking about just kind of surve- surveying people and their kind of reactions to gender neutral pronouns. And it says six in 10 Americans say they have heard at least a small amount about people preferring gender neutral pronouns with 22% of Americans saying they know a lot about it. So I mean, that goes to show you that we're still educating a lot of America about this being a thing as a whole. Why do you think that people are so scared because that's really what it feels like to me when I talk to older people it actually feels like a fear like they yeah. they are so scared to to try to understand they feel so threatened by the fact that anything could be changing and we see it even in the language like when we're talking about the language that was used previously uh-huh. um, where they're saying this is a threat to our language as we know it and we see similar things being said by conservative commentators now that this is a threat to our way of life right. to be introducing these um, new pronouns. Why why do you think that is? Like, why do you think that people have such a strong reaction to this? Like, I mean, I think about what we talked about last week when we talked about Harvey Milk, you know, there was this idea that someone being gay was so foreign because everyone, you know, they were like, I don't know any gay people. They didn't have that personal attachment to it. So I, I would assume that in different parts of the country, like where we live, I think that we are at an advantage because that is, um, you know, using different pronouns and sexuality and gender identity, I think is much more um, openly accepted where we live. But then I think if you look at a lot of like the red states and things like that, there's this fear because they maybe assume that they don't know anybody that's like that. They can't humanize it yet in their minds, which is so upsetting that they can't be respectful of it, even though they maybe don't well, know somebody with that identity. Yeah. But and I also think, I mean, do you remember when gay marriage was being passed and it was like, well, what, are people going to be able to marry horses now? Like there was this crazy idea that letting gay people get married would open the door up for like bestiality and all this other crazy bullshit stuff. Which absolutely is bananas. Right. But at the same time, 
it's like, but how does that, even if that was the case? It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't affect you no matter what. But I think that there is just, it's like you said, it's this fear of the unknown. And I think that, you know, when I think about gay marriage, I remember people being afraid because they felt like, you know, for heterosexual couples that were not okay with it, they felt like it was almost invalidating their marriage. That's so wild to me because I don't understand why... I don't understand why that would be like as right. somebody who is cisgendered in a heterosexual relationship who's going to be married soon. Right. I really. I. How is anyone it's the else's sanctity. relationship? It makes. That yeah. Even, it, okay. it makes. It doesn't make sense. It makes and I no sense. Having coming. Having come from a religious background. From a religious perspective. No, actually, you know, I was actually going to try and make an argument like, oh, maybe coming from a religious perspective. But when I actually really think about it, not regurgitating just what has been fed to me from the church, like actually in having read the Bible and my interpretations of 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 that, I, I don't actually see how what anyone else does, how that has any effect or invalidates anything about right. what you would do in your life. Like yeah. somebody else's pronouns or what they, they're identifying as absolutely has no impact I don't on think it's, yourself. So right. what's, I don't why, know why would you be upset about it? Fear. I wonder I think it's like this fear of society changing. You know, I know that I've heard a lot of like it's a fear of Gender not really being a thing anymore, a femininity not being able to be a thing anymore, and masculinity there not being a thing. Be, there will always be people. Look exactly, look, but I think there's this idea that that everything is going to change, and then their their masculinity is going to be wrong, or their femininity is going to be wrong, and it's again, it, it's people looking at it as like being fear of the fear of society changing and then how that's going to affect them personally. If they're it's suddenly so going to be weird. wrong. It's so weird you know. and self-centered. It, it, it's so self-centered to, yeah. to be looking at the world through that perspective, through your own, your own experience, looking at yeah. it through this very narrow view of your own experience. Because if you thought about it for even two seconds, you would realize First of all, again, gender is a social construct. So femininity and masculinity, they might not necessarily be aligned with someone's biological sex, but they're not actually going anywhere. Like there are still going to be, quote unquote, societally feminine people and masculine people. And sometimes that will align with the, you know, societal ideal of their of their sex. Right. (laughs) If that makes any sense. Right. What my point is, I guess, is like those people are always going to exist. Yeah. Like that binary of they like want them masculine and feminine isn't <laughs> you know? going to be threatened. Those people are always going to exist, whether they exist within the gender binary or not. I don't yeah. know if that makes any sense. I feel like I'm rambling. You're but. no, but you're making. You're, I mean, yeah, you're talking a lot, but you're making total sense. You're not really rambling. You know what I mean? Like, I totally see what you're saying. And I mean, this is another kind of wild statistic to me. Among Americans aged 18 to 29, only 61 percent, which I get is over half, but still only 61 percent say that they would feel somewhat or very comfortable using a gender neutral pronoun to someone if they asked you to do so. Like that's 39 percent of people that are not comfortable with it. And that's really upsetting to me. You're not comfortable with it. We'll fucking get over it. Sorry. Well, you know what again, I mean? again, what we what we said before, like. I understand it takes some getting used to because you we have all grown up in this society where we are used to things being on a binary. However, if somebody asks you to call them something, you call them that. And it might feel uncomfortable for you the first time because it's new to you and that's Uh natural. But you get over it. Like to me, it would feel more uncomfortable calling somebody something Something they don't like, don't like. And, and doesn't suit them or fit them or makes them feel invalidated or uncomfortable, it would make me feel so much worse Yeah, doing that than yeah. just calling you know, them what they want to be called. Yeah, and you know, thinking again about your question about the fear, I was just thinking back to a conversation that I had with my mom when she was here because, 
you know, my mom is so okay with with anything changing, with the world progressing and all that kind of stuff, but she is a boomer. So it's kind of like, I just don't understand all of this. Like, I just don't, I don't have education on it yet. And I think that's another big thing is that this, you know, gender identity, uh, pronouns, all this kind of stuff, I feel like is new to like the open conversation like where it's happening more on a daily basis and more and more people are having these conversations where you know when my mom was growing up that wasn't a conversation that was ever had so I think a lot of it also is just the fact that it seems new to people because these conversations haven't been happening so it does it could appear like everything is changing so quickly, but I think it's just that finally people are coming forward and sharing their experiences about why it's important to acknowledge someone's gender identity, why it's important to acknowledge somebody's pronouns, where until pretty recently, that wasn't really a conversation being had. Well, and I wonder if it sparks any fear in people in terms of being left behind. Right. Like, like I, I, you and I are millennials. We're not that old (laughs) in any way. We're still young people, but I do feel like the older you get, the faster things move. Right. That's something that I have definitely felt as I've gotten older. And I do feel like maybe older people struggle to keep up and you can go one of two ways when that happens, where you can kind of say like, you know, I'm doing my best to keep up. I might falter every now and again, which I feel like maybe is the category your mom falls into, right? right? Where she's like, she means well, but she she might not always get things perfectly, you know? Right. Or you can fall into the other camp where you were like, you know what? Enough. And like, I'm not going to advance anymore. I'm not going to learn anything new. Did I tell you about the conversation my mom had with her older sister? I don't think so. Okay, so... My mom and her sister were, she was taking care of her after a surgery recently. So she's in Wisconsin and they're hanging out and I don't know what they were talking about, but I'm going to use this word just because this is what my aunt was using. She kept talking about prostitutes and saying that word over and over and over again. My mom was like, you're not supposed to say that in her head like the whole time. So after her sister was done, she's like, you know, just so you know, you're supposed to say sex worker now. And Mary just goes, well, I don't see the difference. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and you as, know, because it's just like th- as when cringy as that is for you and I, because we're like, yeah, you learn, you know better, you do better, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's the mentality that I feel like we but go into life people with. Just are like, I don't care, I don't care, and like that's so frustrating that like you're being told like, hey, that's not the nicest way to say that anymore. Like, it's their job; they're sex workers. It's just more respectful to say that. Yet she's still like, well, what's they're both in her mind. I'm sure it's like, well, they're both bad. No matter which word you use for it, it's bad to say. Which she is used, the problem. She used yeah. to be a nun, so if that gives any context, <laughs> um, but you know, it, it really well, that's is the it, word that's used in the Bible. So exactly, exactly. You know, so I think that you know, for like you said, people can go one of two ways. They can say, you know, I'm not going to get it perfect, but I'm learning and I'm open and I'm accepting to whatever your identity is. I'm just, you know give me some time, I'm going to do my best. And then I think there are a lot of people that actively fight against it. I mean, we did a post about respecting pronouns a couple weeks ago, and the amount of comments that I was, you know, deleting that just were going out of their way to say that there's only, you know, he, she pronouns and, you know, non-binary gender doesn't exist and all this kind of stuff where I feel like there's that other side that is like almost doing it just to be a dick about it just to well, they instigate are. stuff they are. you know and what I, I mean I, I like, think that that's a big part of it too is like there are trolls online and in real, real life who yeah. I don't necessarily think that some people even know where they quote unquote stand on a particular issue they just want to be assholes and they, unfortunately yeah. that has a really negative impact on a lot of people you know um there was a 2016 study that found that affirming someone's pronouns and in extension their gender lowers depression and raises self-esteem 
A person affirming another's pronoun use can help others feel comfortable with their external appearance and their gender identity. So if you're doing it just to be a troll or like just to be an asshole, which I know a lot of people do, like there are people out there who just like to push people's buttons because they want to see a rise out of people or they want to upset people. We see that a lot. I feel like on our, on our Instagram page, if you have any ounce of empathy or humanity i mean you're probably not listening to this show but if you have (laughs) any amount of empathy or humanity just know that actually it does have a real lasting impact it does mentally and emotionally on people the trevor project study that you mentioned earlier in the episode also had this as part of their survey the survey found that in the ages of 13 to 24 28 percent of those who said no one used their chosen pronouns had attempted suicide in the past year and this is from 2020 because it makes you feel unseen and it makes you feel you're invalidated yeah like i don't know about you but i have dreams all the time where people aren't listening to me and I'm like screaming at them oh, and they're just a nightmare. I'm not getting across to them you know what I mean and yeah. so I can imagine that that would be like your daily life yeah absolutely um India Moore who Love was them. on Pose yeah Love amazing them. They made a comment and they said, I think acknowledging people by their pronouns, regardless if chosen or not, accurately, intentionally, and respectfully identifies them. When my pronouns are used, my identity is affirmed, which I think is so powerful. Because your identity. India is like one of the best people to follow on Instagram. They post so many insightful things thoughtful things so if you are a fan of pose or you just want to like love this person more definitely follow them on instagram i love everything that they post and yeah i i do want to say india on their instagram page the pronouns are they them and she hers Uh but i know that they did an interview where they said they so that is what we are choosing to use on this podcast. I've read from India that sh- that they said that they prefer they them pronouns, but that they're also aware that uh, I, this was back when India had like longer hair too. her character. Angel mm-hmm. plays a trans mm-hmm. woman on the show. So gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, they've said that they understand that they're very femme presenting. So they understand why people would use like she her pronouns, but like they themselves feel the most connected to they them but not necessarily offended when someone does she and that that I think is also something I didn't write a whole lot about in in my notes because I couldn't really find a lot of articles that discussed this but I'm seeing more and more people who will use like combinations of pronouns like she they he they things like that and I think that again it's just it's validating um to whatever feels cohesive to a person. And I think it's the same with sexuality. You know, there are all these different options of labels that you can look at to kind of help find your way. And so if she and him isn't working or they or them isn't working, having the option to give people that option, I feel connected to both of these pronouns. And sometimes I might feel more connected to they, them. I might feel more connected to she, but it's giving that option and it's not denying parts of themselves, which I think is really important because we say it a million times uh, on our show. Gender is a spectrum. It's not like you have right. to be just three things. And you know, I feel you like fall this is, anywhere. Yeah. And I feel like this is something that we kind of briefly touched on when we were talking about the Kinsey scale in that I feel like when you say a spectrum or a scale, people think it has to fall and and the Kinsey scale was like this, right? It has to fall somewhere within this line, right? There's right. a line and there's straight and there's gay and Well and that's what binary is. Right. And if you're right in the middle, then you're then you're bi. But I feel like both with gender and with sexuality it's less of a straight scale in terms of like you fall on one side or the other. And it's more of like, if you've ever had to, and this is kind of like a weird thing to say, but if you've ever had to um, find a color on 
on Photoshop, right? And yeah. it pulls up that giant, like, colorful scale, and it has, like, all these places you could be, and there are different shades of pinks and, and blues, and, you know, you move a little up this way, and more it's a baby blue, and you move down this way, and it's more of a royal blue, right? Like, I don't know if I'm painting a good image of no, that. No, you but, are. Like, I know where you're going with this. I feel like that is more of what the what the scale should look like right it's not it's not it's not a to z it's all over you know how you can have the option with like the line where you can slide to get a different color or you can get the wheel yes where it's all the different options yes. i almost feel like it's more like the wheel because if you're sliding on that you know you can get the lighter and the darker shades of blue but you're maybe not going to get the teal or right. the navy. You're limited. You're limited mm-hmm. to what color blue you can have. So when you're looking at things more circular, more open on this bigger spectrum and not thinking of things so binary, because to me, even, you know, the Kinsey scale is very binary. You're fitting yes, yourself still completely. onto this line of things rather than seeing that, you know, you don't have to follow any, you know, you don't have to follow that straight line. There are so many other options for you. And I think that, you know, through conversations that I've had with friends of mine who are gender non-binary and trans, you know, I feel like the more discussion, there's more discussion happening right now. And, you know, I've talked to a friend of mine that says, you know, Gen Z on TikTok is like so informative because it just helps like it's educating us almost on our own identities and it's helping people realize that they can have a broader label than what they normally thought that they could have. And it's bringing all of that more to the forefront. Right. I mean, listen, (laughs) listen, Listen. there's a lot of things. Drink every time you say listen. I know. (laughs) So that's an inside joke. Listeners, Uh, Madigan and I were talking about that. Like I say, listen a lot. And if you drank every time I said, listen, you might be drunk. You might be drunk right now. She texted me, listen, dot, dot, dot. And then the rest of the text, I was like, I read that exactly how you said it. And then I was editing later that day and you said, listen. So I sent you the video of that. I was like, that's exactly how I heard it in the text. Exactly. There's probably not one episode where I haven't said that. Listen. <laughs> it's definitely listen. happened in every single episode. What, but, do you think I'm not listening? I'm listening. But, but listen, Madigan, listen. <laughs> okay, so, I will. This time I'm going to listen to you. This, this time. time. This time, listen. Um... I think that the internet has done a lot of bad. I'm going to be honest. Hot take. I no think that the shit. internet <laughs> I think that the internet is a pretty scary, scary place. world. Yeah. And and has done a lot of bad and I actually think for as much as we rightly praise Gen Z on this show because they're amazing sweet baby angels, I do think that there are going to be things that their generation is going to have to grapple with being a oh, generation yeah. that grew up kind of s- inundated with social media in a way that you and I weren't in our yeah, I almost analog feel like childhoods. I really appreciate it because I feel like I'm being educated by but, the, young, by the but, youngins already, right. even though but I'm not that old. You know what I mean? But it is kind of cool to see that like these younger and younger people are being more open about their identities, which is making us more educated about ourselves. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say is that like the internet is, is bad. In many ways, objectively. <laughs> and I think that we're going to be uncovering the the layers of the onion of how bad it is for a long time. However, right. I do think that a benefit that the internet has given us, or specifically given Gen Z, because I made a big status um, on my Facebook a while ago about millennials and how like we are so overworked and we are yeah. so... like we don't know how to say no to anything because it's just the way that we were brought up. We were brought up in this weird kind of like generation between Gen X and Gen Z where like half analog, half digital where it's it's fucking weird, you know? And I feel like, I feel like Gen Z got to have something that we missed out on, which is like exposure to yeah. other people's experiences and, and learning like, from their mistakes, which and like also being our able mistakes, to like, millennials' mistakes. <laughs> you yeah, know? and also having 
all of the information at their fingertips. Exactly. If they have a question exactly. or if they're questioning themselves on anything, you know, or if we they want to know other people are like them. Like yeah. you have the internet, you can see that other people exist uh-huh. who are like you and what that looks like and what it looks like to live freely. Like that stuff is available to you now, which I think is fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Like, I love that that exists yeah, on the internet. Yeah, that's why I like to keep myself on the happy parts of the internet. I don't really, I don't spend that much time on social media, really. Like, I'll put my phone away for hours and then kind of scroll through. But I think I definitely shelter myself quite a lot because I don't go out of my way to find those things that would anger me. Um, So maybe that's why I'm kind of just like, thank you for educating me, Internet. (laughs) My cousin, who's Gen Z, came out as Uh non-binary and goes by both Sarah and Noah, which I I love, you know, and I remember I was so... When they put out the post on social media, which I think was last year, Uh that they were non-binary, I was so impressed. Like, I was so... I was so moved, actually, because I know the environment. It's my family. So, like, I know the environment that they grew up in. Yeah. And I felt so proud that they felt so brave enough because I never would have been brave enough at that time. And I feel like, honestly, maybe part of it is just some people are built brave. But I think another part of it is you have this example of of what it could be like. And you you know, know you're not exposed. Yeah, yeah. To like, it's okay. If you have these feelings, you don't have to feel like that's that there's something wrong with you or like that that's unusual or that's exactly. weird. It's like, no, like this is completely normal and people have been this way forever. Yep. <laughs> like Exactly. You know. Well, I think maybe to close up, let's talk about what to do when you mess up. Because at yeah. the very start of this episode, we talked about how it can be difficult, not and you know, not difficult in a way where it feels, you know, emotionally difficult, but difficult to just remember and to stay on top of, you know, someone's changed pronouns and things like that. So obviously apologize, but I've read that it is very important to apologize and move on. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I think this is just good. This is just good general advice that over apologizing can be harmful. And this is a problem I have. And manipulative, let me tell you. I mean, I don't mean to do that because I over apologize as well. I do too. It can be used as a means to make yourself feel better. And you're disregarding what the other person is actually feeling when you do that. So, yeah, me when I say I'm sorry. I'm a self-deprecating bitch, so (laughs) I'm like, Mm -hmm. please don't hate me. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, what you said is true. Like, it can be manipulative, especially in this situation, because like we said in the beginning, it's not about you. It's about them. The most important thing is making sure that you are being respectful of them. So if you're apologizing a million times, this puts the other person in a position where they feel they need to say, oh, it's okay," and reassure you to get you to stop apologizing But then they have to kind of take away, they have to say what you did was okay in order for that to move on. Right. I mean, and also if you're in a group of people, it can draw unnecessary attention to the situation, which can cause embarrassment for the person, especially if they identify as trans or non-binary. Like now they feel like all of this attention is being put on their gender identity. Well, and then do they have to like out themselves to a whole new group of people Mm -hmm. or, you know, when it's just quick and you... You know, you correct yourself, you apologize, you correct yourself, you move on, you know, and I think that's the best way. And I was reading just some general do's and don'ts. And something that I read was practice a person's pronouns in private to reduce chances of making mistakes. And I think this is really important that even if you're discussing the person when they're not around, or if you're saying it in your head before you see them, like repetition in practice is the best way to get used to something. So if you feel uncomfortable about it with a person, practice it at home. Practice when you're discussing that person with your family and friends. Make sure that you're correcting other people when they, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not mispronoun. <laughs> yeah, no, that's Mis- actually ident- a word. When you, when you mispronoun, yeah, yeah, okay, that is like, actually a word. So uh, if you if yes. you say the wrong pronoun mispronoun you can absolutely and i speaking of the internet i saw a tweet 
that was so sweet. And it was somebody, I think that they were around our age and they were tweeting about how they were at a restaurant and they were listening to a group of, I'm about to cry. I'm about to start my period. So but, <laughs> um, they were listening to a group of Gen Z kids who were sitting at a table practicing their friends' new pronouns before the start of school. And they were oh. saying, it's gonna, it's gonna make them so excited. Like that we've, we've, got it you know at the start of school and like I was just like that is so incredible but it does speak to what you're saying where practice makes perfect right if you have other friends maybe do get together with them and like have conversations where you can practice because it I don't want to make it sound like it is super easy if it's somebody that you've known for a long time and you're very used to referring to them a certain way it is hard to break those mental patterns it's yeah. difficult but you That's, can do it and if you, you can put do in it. the effort then that doesn't go unnoticed or unappreciated yeah and I think if you're if you're constantly correcting yourself too I mean if you're doing it a million times and it's getting annoying that's a bit much but I think that as long as you are openly making the effort and correcting yourself to the person right away I think that that shows that you're doing your best and you're aware. you know yeah, yeah exactly um and I think you know one of the biggest things that I take away from all of this is that you cannot assume someone's identity by the way that they look. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing that like we said I think a lot of people are scared of is that people like to be able to make assumptions about people. So there's an idea that if you can't make an assumption about someone's gender or someone's identity by the way they look, that can be scary to them. But I think it's so important in this day and age to recognize that femininity and masculinity does not necessarily tie in with a certain pronoun and neither does gender neutrality. We can't or the assume. Way, or the way you look. Like exactly. None, of it, none yeah. of it is actually interconnected. Like it's actually not, you no. know. And I feel like we were raised so much to believe that and so much is predicated on appearance. Like so yeah. much is. But yeah. we as a society need to move away from that. And I feel like we are moving away from that. And I feel like especially millennials moving into Gen Z are doing their best to try and make those changes. And yeah. I also wanted to point out two more things um, as as we wrap up and that is one and this is from a them.us article and I'm just going to actually read straight from the article Cool. and it said lastly we should always remember that although it is commonplace for us to say preferred pronouns someone's pronouns are never preferred activists remind us that by calling pronouns preferred it would suggest they are not real and should not be respected Mm. pronouns are just our pronouns they are not preferred and I did try because I've been saying preferred pronouns yeah, for a long I did not, time. I hadn't thought of it that way. I think that mm-hmm. that's really a great point. And so I did try to make an effort throughout this episode not to say that. So I yeah. hope that I was successful throughout. And then the other part of this is just that I feel like people get very hung up on the language part of things and they separate themselves from the human part of things. Yeah. And the truth is that all language is made up, right? Yeah, all so words. Before, before you get mad that pronouns like zer and zem are made up in quotes, just keep in mind the word Wi-Fi didn't exist 20 years ago and words yeah. like whatevs and Jedi were added to the Oxford Dictionary in 2019. Like yep. these words and language, it's it's always evolving. It's always shifting. And we can As make it, it whatever we want it to be. So yeah. there's no reason for us to be um, resistant to this change because yeah. of grammar. That's so silly. <laughs> you know? It's so silly. Yes, definitely. And I just wanted to mention, you know, we have other episodes where we talk about gender norms and things like that. I remember, was it just on gender norms, or was it? It was um, gender reveal parties. We in, did in particular, an episode right? on gender reveal parties. Yes. Yeah, and we talk a lot about you know just society standards for gender a lot in that episode. So if you want to hear more about 
that topic in general, go ahead and find that somewhere. Yeah. I have no idea what episode it is. <laughs> I don't either, but if you if you search it, I'm sure it will pop up. And, yeah. you know, one of the main takeaways from that episode, as from this one, is one that I swear to you, I did not even think about until I was an adult. And that is the difference between sex and gender. Yes. I think that we need to start having more open conversations about the fact that they are not the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> They're not the same thing. Yeah. Know. And again, that's a very simple thing to correct people on too. I feel, you know, if you're feeling comfortable with that person to be able to say, oh, actually you're referring to the baby's sex, not the baby's gender. Things yeah. like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I hope that we did an okay job talking about this. It's something that I definitely want to continue to educate myself about to make sure that I'm always being the kindest, most respectful person that I can to anybody's identity and expression. Um, But if there's anything that you feel that we missed, if there's anything that you want to share about your own experience, I mean, we are going to be doing a coming out episode, but if there's anything in particular with this topic that you want to share, please feel free to email us and DM us anything that you want us to have as updates in the future. And then, like I said, we are looking for your coming out stories. The deadline for that is June 24th. So if you haven't sent those in yet, please do so. You can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. Just a reminder, if you would like to remain anonymous, we will respect your privacy. No worries. Just let us know in the email or message. We have a Facebook business and group page. On the business page, you can like us and leave a review. And on the group page, you can chat with the other listeners. And if you love us so much and you want others to find the show as well, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and write a quick sentence about why you love us so much. It really, really, really helps us so, so much. All right. That's all we got for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.